Okay, go ahead, take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 7 tonight. Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, and we'll read this, uh, we'll read this proverb, and uh, we'll pray and get into this thing. Proverbs chapter 7, starting in verse number 1, the Bible says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law is the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister. And call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, the stranger which flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way of her house. And in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the entire attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth and wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me, this day have I paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee, diligently to seek thy face, and, to have, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home, and he has gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him, and will come home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. He goeth forth after her straightway, as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Till a dart strike through his liver... And as a bird hasteneth to the snare, and knoweth not that is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend unto the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in church here tonight. Father, I ask, Lord, as we open up this book, and Father, we, we see this passage, Father, I pray that you'd help us to make sense of it. God, I pray that you'd help us to go through these things, and uh, Lord, that we may get some, some help, that we may get some encouragement tonight. Lord, a stark warning, a horrible situation, Father, uh, that uh, you've uh, portrayed in this passage, and I pray, Lord, that uh, it would be to our benefit to take heed to it. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the work uh, that you're doing, uh, Lord, here in this church. We thank you for the work uh, that's going on, on around the world in spite of circumstances. We pray that you continue those things until you come back. We ask that you come back soon, Father. But until then, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us in these things, in these matters, uh, Father, in the world in which we live. Father, I pray you wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ now. Give us understanding and wisdom, the ability to, to, uh, to uh, impart uh, these thoughts in which you've given me, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you'd bless all that have come out tonight. May they get something and get some help. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A lengthy uh, portion of scripture to read this, uh, this evening. But uh, nonetheless, this is a passage here that is quite unfortunate. 
Matter of fact, it's a passage that um, really, if you were to dissect what's going on, it's kind of, uh, it, it's, it's, it's an edgy passage. There's certain things in the Bible that when you read them, uh, it's kind of like, oh, wow, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, it can get a little weird there. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty detailed. It's, it can be pretty graphic. Um, and the situation here that's taking place is, is uh, one of lust. It's one uh, of, of a man that is overtaken um, by the uh, seduction of a woman. And um, what it is here is it's a, it's a, it's a picture of, of the world. And it's a picture of, of a man being overtaken by the lust thereof. Now, uh, if you understand the book of Proverbs, you understand that there's, uh, there's a strange woman here in chapter number 7. And then in chapter number 8, you have wisdom uh, in chapter number 8. And uh, she's, she's personified, and wisdom is personified as a woman. And if you read Proverbs chapter 8, you know prophetically that Proverbs chapter 8 is dealing with a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and talking about, if you look in verse 7 of chapter 8, it says, When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the, de- of the deep. In uh, verse 30, Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of man. Okay, so we know that uh, the Jesus Christ, is, the Bible says that without him nothing was made that was made, and uh, he was with the Lord uh, before creation ever happened. And so uh, the easy, the easy uh, compare and contrast of chapter 7 and chapter 8 is that the devil is personified in chapter 7 and that the Lord Jesus Christ is personified in chapter 8. But as I thought and meditated on these things, I've preached along these lines before, but mainly to the young people. But as I thought, thought about it and as I continue to look at it, if you, look up, if, you, if you start to study the word strange in your Bible, you ever just, you, ever, you know, it's one thing for somebody to say, you know, uh, that uh, something bad is going on, right? Man, something bad happened. It's like you can, you can kind of process something that's bad, right? But when somebody, uh, when somebody says that something strange happens, it has a different feel to it. Why does it have a different feel? Because if something good's happening, I can explain it and I can understand that it's good. If something bad happens, I can explain it and I can understand it because I know that it's bad. But when you say that something is strange, That means I can't describe it and I have a hard time understanding it. And so it's different. And 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 we know that the world it moves and it and it and it and it allures in many different ways, and you can't explain it. The Bible talks about uh, the Bible talks about her ways are movable. You can't nail it down, you don't understand it. And uh, when you think about uh, when you think about wisdom personified in chapter number eight, I know that uh, there's a spirit of wisdom, right? There's a spirit of wisdom, and that spirit is personified in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I also know that there's a spirit of this world, right? There's a spirit of this world, and that worldly spirit is personified in the devil, but as far as the typology in chapter number 7, that's the spirit of this world, and she's, and she's called a strange woman. And when you start looking up the word strange in your Bible, what you find out, there's strange gods, and there's strange lands. 
The nation of Israel is said to have joined themselves to strange women. Okay, and so when we think about uh, this word strange, what we realize is that really what it is, is it's, a, it's a myriad of different things that take down the nation of Israel or take down uh, uh, one of God's people. They get wrapped up in, uh, in, 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 in the strange God of the land. That could be a, a myriad of different gods. And we talk about uh, those strange gods and you, you get to thinking about uh, what, what those strange gods were. They were idols and they were being, and they were being worshipped, the works of man's hands. And uh, there was many different things. And so uh, when you think about the spirit of this world, it can comes in all different kinds of forms. A worldly allure, a worldly lust for me may not be the same as it is for you. You can't nail it down. Everybody's, everybody's tempted in different ways. But nonetheless, in the world in which you live in today, the spirit of this world is, 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 is powerful. The spirit of this world is captivating. The spirit of this world allures people away and drags people off. And what you see here in, 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 a, in a story, in a detailed story in chapter number 7, is that transaction between one of God's men happen between him and the world, and we see the downfall of somebody. Ladies and gentlemen, here tonight, there's downfalls that happen around us all the time. There's Christian people that are, that are, that are shipwrecked tonight. Uh, I alluded to it the other night when I was preaching about pillars, and we talked about one of the one of the pillars is you can become a pillar, and how do you become one? And it says, "Remembers Lot, uh, remember Lot's wife," and she takes a look back, and she looks back at the fields of Sodom and Gomorrah, and she sees, and she is told not to look back at those things, to keep her eyes uh, towards where the Lord's taken her, and uh, she just can't help but look back at the world. And what does she do? She turns into a pillar of salt, and then the book of Luke he tells us to remember Lot's wife. And then that's however she's encapsulated in the Bible. She's an example of somebody who just couldn't take her eyes off the world. Now listen, uh, the world is, is just as wicked as it's ever been. The spirit of the world hasn't changed. But the amount of opportunity that it has to get in and to tickle your ears and to bat its eyelashes at you and to get you in a dark corner by yourself is more today than it's ever been. Amen. The access to the wickedness and the debauchery of this world is far more accessible than it's been in any other time uh, in the church age. And so with that, I, I would like to point out some things tonight about this young man, some things that we can learn because the worst thing that can happen is you take the downfall of somebody or a tragedy and then what you do is you fail to learn from the tragedy just to repeat it later on in life. And I don't feel that it's monotonous to, to, to preach along these lines a second time. And again, the last time I preached along these lines was several years ago, but uh, I mean, I, I just, I got a phone call today telling me about somebody that's left. Said they're gone now. Packed their bags and gone. Somebody you'd never think in the world. And you know what? They're gone tonight. They're not in church tonight. And they have no desire to come back. And you know what? Every one of us in here are just as susceptible to that as anybody else. That's absolutely right. And uh, you know what? I know that the context of this, uh, it is said that she looked at her casement. 
okay, and that she discerned among the youths in verse 7, and that she saw a young man void of understanding. Now, again, this is something that is prone to a young man, but I, I would dare say that it's not something just exclusive to young people tonight. Thank you, Zach. Where is it? Oh, it's over there. Zach, you threw me off my groove, man. You and your little sign. I was in, I was in a, I was in a groove, and now I'm out of the groove. And, and who knows if it ever will come back. Pray for the groove, amen. <laughs> it's not exclusive to young people. Because you want to know something? I've seen plenty of old people make shipwreck. Amen. And so the lessons that can be learned here are not just for young people, they're for older folks too. Because we're all susceptible, we're all the same flesh. Amen? Uh, you know what? There were some mistakes that this young man made that caused him to get in a situation like this. Because you want to know something, as a saved person, you have the Word of God, you have a church, you got uh, brothers and sisters around you. God puts some things around you as safety nets to try to keep you from this situation. And we know that there's mistakes that can be made that can super, uh, that can, that can uh, uh, let me see the right word I'm trying to think, that can, that can separate you from those safety nets. And you know the first thing that you see here, look in verse number 7. The Bible says, And behold, among the simple ones I discern among the youths a young man void of understanding. Void of understanding. We know that knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, although related, are not the same. To have knowledge of something doesn't mean that you have wisdom about that thing. I can know about something but not really know about it. I can have an idea of what I can hear about it, or maybe I read about it. But then once, once I have wisdom about it, I can explain it. I know the details of it. I know the intricate workings of it, right? And then when I have understanding of something, I understand why it is thus. I understand the application of it. So it's not just a head knowledge, it's a, it's, then it goes into the heart. Now I have some wisdom. But until I'm able to uh, understand and live and portray those things in my daily conduct, I don't have the understanding of it. Okay? And so this young man is said to be void of understanding. It doesn't mean he doesn't know. It doesn't mean he hasn't been told. It doesn't mean he doesn't know that it's wrong. It just means he doesn't have yet the character to go through and understanding to go through with what it is he knows. And you know what the first problem is, the first mistake he made, and what we often do, is he fails to accept his own weakness. He fails to accept his own weakness. You want to know something? I've, I, I've, I've said this to teenagers before, and you'll remember it, uh, and that is, it's not, as a young person, it's not your fault that you don't have certain understanding because you haven't lived long enough to get it. Right? So there's nothing wrong. You don't have any life experience behind you. And sometimes it feels like somebody's always telling, oh, you just think I'm young and stupid. Well, it's not that you're young and stupid in the sense that you can't 
get knowledge and you can't learn things and that you're somehow retarded in your, in your understanding. And that is a word. It doesn't, not, you know, derogatory, you know, right? It means to be stunted, you know? And so, and so it's not that there's anything mentally wrong with you. It's that you don't have the time in the world and the experience to understand certain things. And that is a weakness that you have. And if you fail to identify that weakness in yourself, you're leaving a big, wide hole in your armor. You are, you are opening yourself up to all kinds of things that can happen to you that's bad. Because you're not identifying your weakness. And again, it's not just young people. Listen, ladies and gentlemen here tonight, there's things that you know about yourself. There's weaknesses that you have in your character and things that you know that flips your trigger. And there's things that you know you struggle with. And sometimes we fail to identify those things and we don't accept our own weaknesses. We're setting ourselves up for failure. You want to know why it's hard to accept your own weakness? Because it takes some real acknowledging of your own self. It takes some self-awareness. And it takes you to acknowledge, hey, you know what? I'm deficient in this area. You know? I have a really bad temper. I know that I, I get jealous really easy. I know that, you know, I have a problem with envy. I know that, listen, if, 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 I, if I get into a situation, I know that I tend to fly off the hinges. These are hard truths that have to be identified in yourself. Because guess what? Those are the avenues in which the devil can come in and have his way. There's many people that I've known that, you know what, outside of anything, uh, anything you know, externally, they're great people, wonderful people, and you want to know something? Uh, some of them, they have, this, the, they have the, a pettiness. They have a pettiness to them to where if it doesn't go their way, they get so bent out of shape that they cannot function. They cannot play nice with others. If it does not go their way, they just soon say, okay, I'll peel out, see you later, bye. And then they walk and do their own thing. Is that how adults should act? That's a weakness. That's a weakness that you have. You should identify it. You shouldn't ignore it. You shouldn't act like it's not there. Listen, you can, you can loathe the fact that about yourself, that this is something that I struggle with, but whatever reason, you have to have the self-awareness and you have to have the ability to accept the truth about yourself and say, I'm deficient right there. You ever have a problem in your life where you keep falling for the same thing? And you have a sin that keeps recurring. You have one of those uh, you know, habitual sins and that kind of thing. The reason you have those things is a lot of times is because you, you know that it's there, but you fail to take it serious. You know that if you do this or you go there or this situation happens, I'm going to be wide open to this thing. I know it's going to come. I know it's going to tempt me, and I know I'm going to fall for it. So instead of being, using that knowledge to keep yourself out of trouble, you ignore it and just continually walk straight into it. Why? Failure to identify and accept your own weakness. Folks, you have to understand yourself. 
You need to pay attention to the things that causes you to stumble. We're supposed the Bible says that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. You can't be ignorant of yourself. This young man, he doesn't realize, listen, it's not your fault. It's just that you're weak in this area. And everybody has different personalities, and everybody has different experiences, and everybody's got all kinds of stuff that makes us different, right? We're a fruit basket, and nobody is the same fruit, and we're all just, you know, different. And, you know, we're like little snowflakes, you know, everybody, nobody's the same, right? But the truth of the matter is, is because we're all different, we all have different weaknesses, and guess what? Just because you have gray hair in here tonight doesn't mean you don't have any weaknesses. Amen. Sometimes you can overestimate your strength. Let me ask you this. Uh, you, go into a, you go into a job interview and they say, give me some qualities about yourself that are, that are uh, you know, uh, give me some good, good qualities about yourself. And you go through and you'll rattle off, you know, everything that you think you're good at. But then how come when they turn around and say, well, give me, give me a couple things that you're not good at. You sit there and go, Bleh. Why is that? You don't focus on what you're bad at. You want to know what makes a professional athlete a professional athlete? They focus on what they're bad at. And then they continually work on the things in which they're bad at. They identify their weaknesses in their game, and then they strengthen their weaknesses to make them stronger and a better, well-rounded player. Listen, you can't go into this thing. You can't face the world and be ignorant of what your weaknesses are. Why? Because she's waiting for you. She's waiting for you, just like she was waiting for this young man. You know what? We have to be self-aware. We have to uh, be able to acknowledge the truth about ourselves. Again, it's not a knock because all of us have weaknesses. But sometimes when those weaknesses are pointed out or sometimes when those weaknesses are glaringly obvious, it's like, don't tell me that about myself. Well, what about you? Right? That's how we respond. Sometimes in dealing with one another, one of our weaknesses pops out. And somebody says, well, that ain't right. Why is your attitude so bad? Oh, well, you just think you're perfect, don't you? Oh, okay. <laughs> is that the defense mechanism? You can't be honest with yourself? When God calls you on the carpet or when somebody calls you on the carpet or when something comes out and it's like, oh, I got to get face to face with my weaknesses, so it causes you to get into a mess. You can't, you can't, have, you can't have the self-awareness to say, you know what, you're right, that's a weakness of mine and I need to work on it. The Lord comes in and, he, and through preaching and stuff like that and he puts his finger, you know exactly what your weaknesses are. We know what the problem is, is we fail to identify them. We fail to accept them as weaknesses. We, we choose to dismiss them. And then we look at other people and say, well, at least I'm not as bad as they are, as if that somehow negates our weakness. You want to know what this man did? And, and, and we know how the story ends. We just read it. You know, the first step was he failed to identify his weaknesses. He failed to accept his weakness. Not only that, look in verse number 8. Verse number 8, the Bible says, passing through the street near her corner, he went the way to her house. He forsakes the previous warning. He forsakes previous warning. In verses 1 through 5, there's a stark warning given to, his, uh, to a son, 
Keep my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live. The laws of Napa on thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman. He was warned about her. And you know what he did? He walked right down the path to her house anyway. Isn't that, isn't that applicable? Folks, we come to church three times a week. We get three sermons a week. And you know what? We're constantly being fed the Word of God, and, it's, and you can't, you, you're not going to be able to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and say, well, we didn't have any, uh, any, any, any real Bible teaching or Bible preaching at my church. You know, it was always just, well, you need to do this and do this and do this, and, and it, it, it was just, you know, legalistic, and it was, you ain't going to be able to say that. Not from here. You realize you being a part of this church messes you up with the judgment seat of Christ. You know that, right? You're not going to have any of those excuses. You're not a a Baptocostal sitting in a Baptocostal church uh, here tonight and somebody speaking in tongues and all this different garbage. You're not sitting there tonight. Well, I didn't know any better. You all know better. You know better. You've been preached to. Well, I think the preaching around here is just a little too negative. What did you think preaching was? (laughs) Right? Listen, have you ever listened to old preaching? You ever listened to some of the preaching that took place, you know, 40, 50 years ago? You ever hear some of them guys preach? You think there's hard preaching around here. Good Lord. <laughs> they were cussing when they preached. <laughs> they called people names when they preached. It's like the church today feels like they're abused through preaching. <laughs> I was abused, (laughs) right? He told me I was bad, and that's not good for my self-esteem. You say, why why should preaching be hard? Why should preaching be direct? We know that the sermon means to thrust, like with a sword. Why is preaching supposed to be that way? Why is the gospel, the good news, why is it three parts negative? Why? It's because you can't have good news without bad news first. And guess what? You've been warned about things. Listen, you could, you could, if you could pull up the amount of time that has been preached, the amount of time and the, uh, that, that social media and all that kind of stuff has been preached against, and it's not just because it's a hobby horse. It's because it's a danger. It's a danger. And it's still a danger. And it's still a problem. And it's still a place where people feel that it's okay to let your fingers do the talking without any implication or without any, uh, or out any repercussion. And it causes feuds. And it causes problems. And it lets you show how dumb you are. And how tone deaf you are sometimes. And it's out in the stinking internet and it'll never go away. But you know what? No matter how much preaching goes on it, you know what? I just walk right down that path. You know, you ought to be careful about going here or doing that or who you hook up with or uh, in sense of your friendships and your relationships and who you spend time with. Oh, but I just forget. That's just preaching. That's just preaching. We'll still keep them. You know, they're still friends. They're still good folks. They're still, okay, 
and you're walking right down the path to her house? Been told a hundred times. Listen, listen, nobody in here, you know what's right, you know what's wrong. And you got the, and, and if it hadn't been preached on, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, and you know enough about the Holy Spirit that when your conscience goes off and the bells start ringing and the, and the alarm starts sounding, you know good and well what's right and what's wrong, and you've been warned. You know what the problem is? We ignore it, and we just walk right down the path to her house. Lord said, hey, uh, you better uh, keep the word of God as the apple of thine eye and write upon the tables of thine heart. To keep thee from the strange woman, you got to watch out for that strange woman. She's out there. She's looking. She's discerning. She's watching. Oh, yeah, you're just old-fashioned fuddy-duddy. You just don't want me to have any fun. You just don't want to, you know, you're, you're, you just, you, you don't know. I can handle it. I've been doing this for years. We've been going there for years. It's okay that we miss church to go to this place. It's okay that we, we, uh, that we miss church and do this. It's okay. All right, just keep going. And when she meets you, because you're not quite sure what she looks like, but when she meets you, it won't be because you weren't warned. It is because you're going down the path anyway. You see that? Man, I love how the Bible just makes it super plain, super easy, right? Super easy. Passing through the street near her corner. You know, it's funny because in the, in, the, in, 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 in the case of Adam and Eve, you know what? He warns them. He says, he says, listen, not just don't eat it. Don't touch it. When Adam tells Eve, he, he, listen, when Adam, Adam's told, don't eat of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When he goes to Eve, you know what he tells Eve? He says, don't even touch it. Don't even get close to it. The commandment wasn't that he couldn't touch it. That wasn't from God. That was extra on Adam's part. He says, you just need to stay as far away from that thing as you possibly can. And she just kept walking on by it. Surely that, I mean... Well, if I touch it, I mean, this is my husband being overbearing, right? He just thinks he can rule me with an iron fist. And after all, I'm a woman and I have thoughts and feelings too. Hear me roar. I'm not bound by no man, right? You better be careful. You forsake the previous warning. God warns us of stuff for a reason. You don't think for one second that God uses a preacher to warn you about things that God knows are going to come up in your life? That's why it's important for you to be in a local church with a local pastor that knows you locally and is praying for you and, and, and has interactions with you. Because guess what? The person that you listen to or on the, on, the, on the radio or whoever it is, they have no business with you. They have no stock in you. They're not caring for your soul. Your pastor is being led by the Holy Spirit to give you what you need for where you're at. That's why you need to be in church. So that you hear the warning that God wants you to hear. I was talking to a preacher friend of mine. I was up at Brother Kenning's uh, preacher for him a few weeks ago. And uh, he told me, he says, you know what? He says, I mean, I love listening to preaching. He says, but what I learned when I first became pastor is I had to quit listening to preaching. He says, because I was getting influenced by all these preachers. And there were good sermons. There's nothing wrong with them. He says, I was getting influenced. All, and I was giving my people what they, their people needed, not what my people needed. 
How about that? Well, you do the same thing with listening. You listening to what's coming out of this pulpit? Or do you think that you're getting fed better somewhere else? Wrong-o. You better pay more attention to what's coming out of this pulpit. Why? Because it's the warning that you need to heed. Finally here, it says uh, in verse number 9, In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. You know what? He forced his authorities away. He failed to accept his weakness. He forsook the previous warning and he forced his authorities away. In verse number 9, he does this under the cloak of darkness. You think it's peculiar that before people come out, they get real reclusive? You know, you know how you know when somebody's on the verge and there's something going wrong? You know how you know? They start clamming up. Now everything's a secret. Now it's like, hey, mind your business. Stay out of my business. You know, and it's like, you know, I can, uh, you know, you know they're, they're, they're heading out. They're going to be gone. And it's like, you're not trying to ask, hey, where are you going? As if you're trying to stay in their business. It's just normally that would be information that somebody would tell you. But now, now it's like, no, 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 we're going. We don't need to tell you where we're going. Okay, well, whatever. That's fine. Why, why, why the big secret? Why all the secrecy? Kids quit talking to their parents. They just clam up. Stay in your, lock your door, go to your room. You don't even, you just come out for supper and you just stay in your room. You lock the door and nobody, everybody leave me alone. Why are you so reclusive? What are you trying to do so nobody can see? Well, I need my space. I need my time. I need, okay. What spirit is that? Husbands, why do you spend all the time by yourself? What, what's, what's so hard about your family life where you got to constantly be by yourself? You need your man cave. Why? What do you have to escape your wife? Brother, you don't understand. You haven't married long enough. You haven't been married long enough. I've been married long enough to know that a basement does a lot of good. I understand that. Why are you so reclusive? Why, why is everything, how, how come everything is so hush-hush? You know, I get it all the time with teenagers, especially when they get in relationships. They don't want to tell you because they think you're just going to like poo-poo the whole thing. And so they're just like, they're just like, <laughs> you know, and like you, you walk in the room, they're like, oh, brother Joe's here. See you later. <laughs> right. And then just walk up and you go, how's it going? Fine. Fine. Everything's fine. Everything is good. Who's that? Nobody. I mean, I don't have no idea who that is. I don't know who that is at all. Why are you trying to keep it so stinking secret? You see that? You think you hide? Why are you hiding stuff? How come everything can't be out in the open? Well, there's, there's privacy. Yeah, I understand privacy. I'm not talking about keeping private things out there for everybody to see and let your life be a big billboard. I'm not talking about that. I'm pretty reclusive when it comes to my life as well. But listen, there's certain things. How come nobody knows nothing about you? How come, you're, how come there's this air of mystery? He was doing everything in the dark. No accountability. We didn't want to hear any opposing opinions about what he was getting himself into. That's why you're not asking for advice. Because you already got your mind made up. You already know what you want to do. Your heart's already told you what to do. Just like that brother you read in that missionary letter. What did he do? He went silent. 
And a few weeks later, he gets a phone call saying, hey, hasta luego, I'm out of here. What happened? The Lord told me. I bet he did. You want to know why he didn't talk to his pastor? Because he knew his pastor would tell him what he didn't want to hear. And so you're afraid of advice. You're afraid to seek counsel. You're afraid to ask your parents what their opinion is. You're afraid to ask the pastor what his opinion is. I'm not saying he's going to tell you what to do. But hey, listen, there's been some decisions I made in my life that I'd like to get. I'd like to bounce it off somebody. Amen. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not asking him to, to navigate my life. But listen, there's maybe, maybe I have a blind spot. But no, you got it. And you just start to close it up. You just peel right out after church. Nobody talked to me. I don't talk to them. I'm just my own person. You have to be careful. Those are some mistakes that he made. Because those are safety nets that God puts around you. And if you don't, if you don't uh, take um, heed to the warnings, and if you don't uh, take advantage of those authorities that God puts around you, those pillars that God puts around you to help and guide you in your way, if you, don't fail, if, if, if you don't take heed to the weaknesses that you have, you know what? You're making a mistake. And it costs this man dearly. It costs him dearly. You know what? Look in verse number 10. It says, and, in the twi- or excuse me, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire, attire of a harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. It says, now... Is she without? Now in the streets and lieth and wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him. So you know what he did? He, for, he, he, did all the, he made all those mistakes, and he finds himself walking down the lane, right? Almost like, almost like it's, he's flirting with it. There's this, there's this, there's this like suspenseful attraction. It's like, oh, well, I don't know what it really, I don't know what she looks like. I don't really know what it's like, you know, and I feel like, you know, I'm just kind of walking on the edge and I'm just kind of just, 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 just down, not, not at her house. I didn't go to her house. I'm just, I'm by her house. I'm just by the corner next to her house. I just found myself here. And all of a sudden you see her. My goodness. And you didn't even realize what you saw. Well, I ain't never seen that before. I ain't never seen a lady dressed like that before. I ain't never seen a lady with that kind of attitude before. She wasn't shy. She was brash. She came to me with an impudent face. Right? What does the Bible say? She kissed him. You ever see the old cartoons, you know, like, what is that, uh, you know, Pepe Le Pew or something like that? He's walking around, and all of a sudden, a lady skunk comes around and whops a big old kiss on him. And all of a sudden, like, he's, he's like, whoa, and he's like dazed and confused. That's how people are. That world comes out, and all of a sudden, it's like, how you doing? You're like, oh, mama. <laughs> what was that? Right? You know what the problem is, is you find yourself in that situation because you've made all those mistakes. And they're not like mistakes as in like you're, you're you know, you're inadvertently in uh, sinful, right? Nothing excessively sinful about those mistakes, but they're mistakes. You know what they end up doing? They put you too close to where you shouldn't be. And you know what happens? You get exposed to something. And you can't unsee what you saw. 
and you can't unfeel what you felt. Right? And it's like, oh, now I've got a taste of something. And now that I've got a taste of something, it's like, well, it's kind of hard to just go cold turkey. Right? And then there's some things that transpire here in the text. Because guess what? She's a manipulative woman. And you know what happens when the world comes and puts a big old kiss on your lips? You want to know what happens? It starts to mess with your mind. Because to the pure, all things are pure. And when that purity becomes defiled in any different way, guess what? It can't, it, it's, it's, it's really hard to get it undefiled again. You can't unsee things. You can't unhear things. And so you know what she does? She starts manipulating his mind. She gives him the old sales pitch. Look in verse number 14. I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. Hey, this is, this is, this is a straight up transaction. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing illegal here. Everything's on the up and up. I've paid my vows. I'm legitimate. There's no scam here. I'm not, I'm not tricking you. Everything's open, open, 52 face up, maybe. And so she gets you to start to justify it. Justification is the first part of manipulation. So she says, hey, I paid my vows. Nothing wrong here. Oh, well, she's, oh, I thought she was going to be dishonest. I thought the world would be dishonest. I thought that the world would, you know, be a certain way. And when I found out what the world was, I found, well, they have good intentions. There's some good people. They have the right heart. They may not believe in God like I do, but they're great people. Justification. Justification. Verse 15. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. What do you see the reoccurring theme in that verse is? Therefore I came forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. Three times in one verse. You know what it is? Adulation. Flattery. Justification. Adulation. It's all about you. You're special. You're special. I didn't come here just looking for anybody. I came here looking for you. You're the one I want. Baby, I can't live without you. You're everything to me. Oh, he said I was everything. <laughs> yeah, until something else comes along a little bit better than you. That didn't go over well. I'm sorry. That's the truth. <laughs> That's the truth. You know what? It's, uh, they they, they, uh, they uh, trick you with, your, with their words, make you feel special. You know what? The worst thing in the world is sometimes Christians treat Christians real bad, and the world end up treating Christians better than, uh, than uh, the Christians do. That's the truth. 
you know what, somebody gets hurt, burnt in the church, and something happens, you know what, you know, just undoubtedly what will happen. You'll go to work, and some lost person will buddy up to you and see that you're crying and see that you're all tore up out of the frame, and they'll help you out. They'll do something great for you. You're like, man, why do the Christians act like that? Flattery. Pretty subtle, isn't it? Starting to manipulate your mind. You see how this guy's getting into it now? He doesn't even know what's going on. He's just along for the ride now. Look in verse 16 and 17. I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestry and carved works with fine linen of Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Those are all riches. Those are all the wonders of this world. Things that can be attained. You mean you have spices to fragrance your house? You mean that you have coverings of tapestry and carved works? You must have all kinds of riches at your fingertips. Sophistication. I'm going somewhere in the world. I'm going to attain to have nicer things and to not be some, you know, low-end redneck anymore. Sophisticated worldliness, worldly pleasure, worldly goods, the lust of the eyes. Amen? She says, hey, I got a better life here for you. Hey, you can take this job, you probably make thirty, forty thousand more dollars a year, but you have to miss church. Hey, listen, I'm all for you making more money. Amen. I believe you should. I believe, listen, I believe you ought to go make some stinking money, man. Support your family. You can buy a nice house, buy a nice house. You can drive a nice car, drive a nice stinking car. But does is the means in which you're making that money cause you to? Uh, flounder spiritually? Does it cause you to miss out spiritually? Does it cause you to miss church? Does it cause you to get, uh, to get away from the fellowship that you need? Does it cause you to hinder you from hearing preaching? Well, then it's not worth it. Find something else. There's a million ways to make money. But no, this is my opportunity. This is my big break. A chance to get sophisticated. Look in verse number 18. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves in loves. Release your inhibitions. Just indulge yourself. Come on in. The water's fine. No problems here. Hey, listen. Silence that little voice that makes you question whether or not this is right or wrong. What's causing you to doubt? Release your doubt. You only live once. Right? Just, just, just go with it. Just go with the flow. That's the message. You see how this is starting to slowly manipulate his mind? This is exactly how the world gets into your mind. It's exactly how it happens, step by step. Right there in the King James Bible. The tactic is no different today than it was when Proverbs chapter 7 was penned. It's the same thing today as it was then. Release your inhibitions. And then look at verse number 19. For the good man is not at his home. He has gone a long journey. He hath taken the, uh, the bag of money with him and will come home at the appointed day. There's no repercussions. He's gone. Hey, listen, the one that can bust us for what we're doing, he's not even home. He's got a bunch of money. He's out just living it up. He, he's coming back at an appointed time. I know when he's coming back. You just live it up. 
with me. And there'll be no repercussions for what we take part in. You see that? And you know what? This is the demise of a man. This is the demise of a Christian. This is the demise. This is when the world sets its fangs in and starts to suck every bit of life you have out of you. Amen? They say every catastrophe of character is preceded by an evil chain of thinking. When people fall out, it doesn't just happen. No, they were gone long before they left. They kept going down by the corner of her house and indulging themselves. You know, it's funny that they give, they, give, they give the illustration of a strange woman because you know what? This is something that you wouldn't want to watch on television. If this was a movie script, if this was, if this was put into picture form, you wouldn't want to see it with your kids, would you? But that's the illustration it gives you. It's lewd and it's lascivious. It's debauchery and it's unfaithfulness. This woman's cheating on her husband. She's out there finding somebody to go to bed with. And she's convincing him. And it's all the more worse because it's the woman that's initiating it. You live in a world where that's exactly the case now. It goes both ways. It's lewd. But this is the illustration the Bible gives. No repercussions. Just indulge yourself. You know what the problem is? This naive man misunderstands completely this woman's motive. You know what he thinks? She really likes me. And he becomes emotionally involved and emotionally attached and is no longer able to discern the truth from his feelings. Amen. Brothers and sisters here tonight, that's where we can get to really quick. We have a hard time discerning the truth with how we feel. Because we don't base our decisions in life on our feelings. We have to base them on facts. But sometimes we become so emotionally charged or we have a goal that we've had in our mind forever and that's how it's got to be. And we're so emotionally attached to that vision in our mind that the Lord can't get through with a jackhammer. And you'll just go along and do it emotionally attached to it. He misunderstood her motive. Verses 21. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With a flattering of her lips, she forced him. She forced him willingly. She forced him willingly. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver so a bird hatheneth to the snare and knoweth not that it's for his life. We call that the bait and switch. Here's this wonderful thing I promise you. And the minute you say yes and you sign on the dotted line, this goes away and says, well, this is what we really meant. Here's all the hidden fees. Oh, it's... It's six months on back order. <laughs> it's called a bait and switch. You know what the problem was? She exposed his ignorance. She exposed his ignorance. Look in verse um, 22. As an ox goeth to the slaughter. 
You know how you get an ox to go to the slaughter? You give them grain. And you feed them out of a bucket. And as you feed him out of the bucket, he's falling you, feeding you in a bucket, feeding you in a bucket, feeding you in a bucket. And then you know what you do? You go over to the slaughterhouse, and that ox follows you right into the slaughterhouse. He just thought you were feeding him grain. He misunderstood your motive. You just exploited his ignorance of your motive. And you take him into the, the slaughterhouse, and he puts him in a rack, throws him in the rack. They take the 22 shell, put it on that soft spot in the middle of his forehead. Boom! Cut him up. There's nothing worse than when your ignorance gets exposed. You know why a lot of people don't ever get back in church? You say, oh, well, I've seen people get out and come back in. You want to know why a lot of them don't? It's because the minute they realize that their ignorance has been exposed and they've been outed and they were wrong and boy, there's no denying it and they've made a real mess and everything that they told everybody that God told them to do wasn't God telling them to do it. It was their emotions telling them to do it and boy, they've made a mess and to get over that, that hurdle to say, I was really messed up keeps them ever coming, from, uh, coming back to church. Because when your ignorance gets exposed, that pride lump gets awful big. Gets awful big. And so you know what ends up happening? Your ignorance gets exposed, and now it's a blame game. Oh, well, this person did this, and this person was this, and they were too overbearing, and they were just this. Now it's everybody else's fault. Why is that? You got exposed, and now you're just trying to tell everybody what they did wrong to cause you to do what you did. No, you got exposed. You got exposed. And the emperor ain't got no clothes on. Right? It inhibits your conscience. Look at verse 23. It says that a dart strikes through his liver. You know why that's peculiar? Because your liver is what filters out toxins in your body. You know what your conscience is? It's what filters out toxins in your life. It's that line of defense that says, this isn't right. Don't go down that road. Don't do this. This isn't right. You know what she does? She sears that conscience off. And the dart goes through the liver. And now no longer can he process or, uh, and break down the toxins. Just like a Christian, the world gets a hold of them. And now... They, they, don't, they can't see up from down. Convictions are all messed up. Now the world's way of thinking is in your mind and you can't even think straight. You can't even think spiritual anymore because your mind's so wrapped around this world and the philosophy of the day and what's politically correct and, and all this different stuff. Even now when you say certain things in church, you think that you were talking at a college campus sometimes. Why is it, why is it like that? It's been programmed. The world's telling you how to think. You got to be careful. You're misunderstanding their motives. They're not trying to make you more intellectual and make you more closer to God. They're trying to get you to think like them. They want you out. They want you out. You see, sometimes we think it's a game. We just think of preachers being a preacher. We just think church is church, right? Who cares? We flipping, flipping about it, flipping about it, flipping about it. You know what you don't know? 
She's playing for your life. The Bible says, no, he knew it not, that it was for his life. She's playing for keeps. We just think we're having fun. There's a video I recall. I was doing some research on, uh, on a sermon one time, and there's this video of a, a safari over in Africa, and there's this guy he had his family in this car and everything, and, and uh, there was a, you know, an, uh, 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 some kind of wild boar or an ox or something like that down the, the pathway, and the lions were sitting there eating on this, this, this cow. And so he's like, oh, the lions are occupied, you know, and they're down there eating. So he got out of his vehicle with his camera, right? And he starts walking down this path and getting the shot of the, you know, the, shot of the day. And he's, and he's doing this. And you know what he didn't know? See, he just thought he was there to, like, film the animals and that they were preoccupied. They were just happy eating the ox, right? You know what he didn't realize? Those were male lions eating that ox down the trail. And the male lions aren't the ones that do the hunting, the females are. And you see his wife and his kids in the car, and they start banging on the window, Daddy, 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 Daddy! And what he didn't realize is that the female lion had circled around and had got behind him, and she latched onto that man and tore him to pieces in front of his family. One of the most disturbing videos you ever see in your life. And that man screaming as he's being eaten alive and his wife and kids watch it happen. You know what he didn't know? They weren't hunting like he was. He was just hunting for some pictures. She was hunting for dinner. You know how many stinking families I've watched be shipwrecked over the years? And I've and not even been in it that long. Some of you in here, you know a lot more than I do. And the wife and the kids watch it happen. Or the kids watch it happen. Or the parents watch it happen. And man, is it ever brutal. And it tears them apart. And go, what in the world happened? How did this happen? How did this happen? He was told before he went on the safari, don't get out of your car. Don't get out of your car. He was warned. And he justified, well, they're down there eating, you know, no big deal. This is a great opportunity for me, you know, I can get the, I mean, I can make a lot of money on these shots, you know. He was a professional photographer, he was going to get the right shot, you know. And I, I know better, you know, what do these safari people know? Stupid African people, they don't know how to do, okay. Right? There'll be no repercussions for my actions. You kids stay in the car. See you later. See you later. You know what, folks? We've got to realize that you have an adversary, the devil, who walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he's going to devour. This is a sad story. It's a very sad story. Look in verse 24. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children. He says, you better hearken. Attend in the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths, for she's cast down many wounded. Many strong men have been slain by her. You think you're the exception. Everybody thinks they're the exception. I'm strong enough. Been raised in church my whole life. Okay. I know what the world's like. 
I was saved out of it. You think it's less dangerous for you? Because you've experienced it before. You ain't the exception. Today just happened to be a stark reminder to me before I thought along these lines that people that you never thought would be out, they get out. And you know what the problem was? Verbatim what you just read in this passage. It's not changed a bit. Many wounded. You know you're susceptible when you're hurt. You start justifying all kinds of things when you're hurt. So-and-so hurt me. This happened in my life. This tragedy's going on. This hard time's here. Okay, you better be careful because guess what? She's still out there. And the rules still apply. Amen. So whether you're wounded or whether you think you're strong, she's taken down better than you. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. You better be careful the direction you're going. I'm not saying that if you get wrapped up in this thing that you're going to lose your salvation and go to hell. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is you're messing with something that's connected to a place you don't want to be a part of. You've got to be careful. And so tonight, I'm not trying to be on you too hard. I know it's a sombering message, uh, but it's, it, I love the way the Bible is so specific. And we are truly not ignorant of, their, of His devices. We understand that we should love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. For they're not of the Father. They're of the world. And folks here tonight, listen. The world is on display 24-7. And you know what you need to do? Take stock and, okay, am I, am, I, am I fashioning my life after these people? Do you see hints? Hey, hey, maybe, maybe you've been walking down the path late at night. And nothing's happened yet. And you think, I'm fine. No big deal. I'm fine. Just taking a walk. It's just, it's just this. It's just a friend. It's just, you know, this, this going on at work. It's just, it's just a text message. It's just, right? It's just no big deal. And you want to know something? It's a big deal. It's a real big deal. Because people fall out. And you know what? A lot of them, they never come back. And you say, well, that's just, you know, you're saying, oh, well, if, uh, if I go out and I do that kind of stuff, God will come and he'll blow up my water heater or he'll, you know, he'll do something horrible to me and, and I'll get in a car accident or something like that. No, 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 no. That's not the worst thing that could happen to you. You know what the worst thing that happened to you? You'll meet her on that road and she'll kiss you. You know what the problem, you know, you know what the worst thing that could happen to you? You'll like it. And you know what the worst thing that happened to you? There'll be no repercussions for it. And you'll think it's fine. I like it and it's fine. You see, it's not that God's going to come whop you with a hammer. It's that maybe he won't whop you with a hammer. Maybe he'll just let you do your thing. And then 10, 15, 20 years go by and you realize, man, I wasted my whole stinking life. 
Amen. It's a sad thing. It's a horrible thing. But let us be the wiser for it. Let us not be ignorant. Let us not just walk in, in, in as if we don't know what's going on. We do know what's going on. That's why we're here. That's why we're listening to preaching. That's why we're in church. That's, amen. That's why we're here, to take it seriously. Because it's not a game. And one of these days, the Lord's going to come back and everything's going to get fixed. But until then, we got to have our guard up. Amen? All right. Hopefully that helps you chew on that. Maybe for the rest of the work week, get us back to Sunday. Amen? Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for the word of God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd help us to learn from these things. Uh, Lord, and I pray that uh, you'd give us the grace, Lord, to be uh, self-reflective, Lord, to be able to identify what our weaknesses are, that we might not be susceptible uh, or, or put ourselves in a, in a vulnerable situation, rather, uh, to, to get swept off our feet, Father. We pray that you'd help all these that are here, and I pray, Lord, that you bless the service to follow with the prayer, uh, the prayer service. In Jesus' name, amen.